What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 38 of Great Quarter Guys. I'm your host, Andrew Cox. I've got with me my boss and co-host, Kevin Hill. How are we, Kevin? We're doing good today. Yeah, we, this is episode number 38. I couldn't think of a, a prominent football player. We've been going with football players as the number, so I took Kurt Schilling as the number 38. That's going to be our, uh, this is the Kurt Schilling episode. Okay. The Bloody Sock. Oh, bloody Sock. The, the Bloody Sock episode. The Bloody Sock episode, yeah. Right, we'll, I think we're going to talk about bankruptcy, and I think he went through... You went through a, a famous one, or not a famous one, but a w- well-known. Some, Billing did? Yeah, because a, a computer software gaming company. Oh, he, that, and he that got he involved in. in. Yeah, he got yeah. involved in it. It's crazy how many of those uh, famous athletes get involved in some super shady businesses. That, they, they, do, they really do. I Have mean, you ever seen the 30 for 30? Yeah, on, uh, bro- uh, Broke. Broke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of so the good. best 30 for 30s and, you know, entertainment, uh, athletes. I think what was the statistic? Like 80% of them go through bankruptcy at least once. It's incredible. I mean, I remember seeing, you know, Mike Tyson had made $400 million in his career, and, and within, like, t- six or eight years after him stopped boxing, he was completely out of money. Uh, it's just it's bonkers. But we'll, we'll get to our show because we're going to talk, talk about money as well uh, a lot today. It's interactive, uh, so get on LinkedIn. Leave me some comments if you have a company uh, or a topic you want us to talk about. If we know anything about it, we'll try to talk about it uh, for you guys. Uh, but we got a cool show. we got Seth Holm, uh, which will be joining us here in a moment. He is, uh, of course, a part of our team, uh, an original host here of Great Guys, I have one quick update to a previous long short that we did back in December. Uh, I saw some videos back in December of Iron Mike, Mike Tyson, uh, just looking like a monster. And, and we did the long short, whether we'd see him in the ring in 2020. It seems that we will. They've got a fight against Roy Jones Jr. Uh, booked for September 14th. So you got a 51-year-old and a 54-year-old fighting in an eight-round match with no headgear. I don't know how I feel about it, but I am excited. I'll tell you that much. Think it'll go eight rounds? No, no. I think don't. it'll go three rounds? Um... I hope so, because I'm, I'm probably going to pay for it and buy it. So I hope it goes at least three. That'd they might be, just get exhausted. They might, I mean, they're, I mean, they're old a, dudes. Knock it, knock I mean, they're old or TKO or anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be good, though. So let's go ahead and bring on Seth home. Uh, Seth, how are we today, my man? You're joining us. Uh, I think you're at home with the kids, right? Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually at my parents-in-law. Uh, I have, a, have my own office. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, well, great to have you back, my man. So we're going to continue with the the same thing that we did two weeks ago. We are on a little bit of a break. We didn't have a show last week because of FreightWaves Live 3PL Summit. Uh, but we're going to keep going with our ode to highly questionable si or no. This is uh, you care or nah. Uh, the first one, I'll start with you, Seth. Target and Walmart both announced they will be closing on Thanksgiving. Do you care or nah? Uh, th- so first of all, they're just closing. I haven't looked into this. They're just closing, like, physical stores, right? Obviously, their Correct. websites and e-commerce will still be on. Yeah, so I'll go with null uh, there. Um, I, I think that you know most of their sales um, for Black Friday and Thanksgiving and all that are, are going online anyways. And so if people can't go into the store, I think they'll just go online. How about you, Kevin? Uh, I do care. I, I, I think uh, so a C, right? Because I do care, and I agree with Seth, though, that, that most of their, store, their sales are online. Hopefully we see that as a trend uh, going forward so they don't have to be open on on holidays, you know, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, and we can go back to, to kind of where we were 20 or 30 years Allowing ago. Allowing those people to, to be with their families. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let people off on, the, on those holidays, and people can just do online ordering. 
Uh, I am uh, with Seth on this one. I, I don't really care about this. I, I avoid these places to my best ability on Black Friday and Thanksgiving because of the, the on the rush. Uh, and also last year, I don't know if you guys remember, they started to offer those Black Friday deals like at the beginning of November online for anybody that was looking just to kind of uh, relieve the, the pressure on them, on their supply chains on Black Friday. So no, I don't care. I'll be getting my stuff uh, November 1st anyway. All right. So number two, we've got the Chinese fintech giant that is currently under Alibaba, but it is called Ant Financial. They have begun discussions for a dual-listed public offering in Hong Kong and Shanghai. Seth, do you care or no? Uh, yeah, definitely care. And financial, this will be, you know, shortly will probably be one of the biggest companies in the world. I have not looked into it in detail, but, you know, I can tell you, you know, 1.4 billion uh, Chinese people that love their digital payments. So um, I think this will definitely be one that uh, everyone should watch. Kev? They aren't listing in the, the, the states, though. No, right? so they'll have China uh, and Hong, Hong Kong and Shanghai. Yeah, in Shanghai. I, I'm, I'm going to go with no. I, I think that there'll probably be a very large financial company and one of the biggest stocks in the world. But uh, I, I kind of try to st- stick to domestic stocks and, and domestic opportunities. So whatever happens is is fine with me. Nice. I, I do care, uh, not only because it's a huge company and I am very long Alibaba, but also because I think it's a really important thing that they're, they've avoided a listing in the U.S. They've chosen to go with Hong Kong and Shanghai rather than go on Wall Street. It was just 2014 when Alibaba did their uh, their listing in, in uh, on the NASDAQ, and they raised, I don't remember, $25 billion or something, some, some huge um, uh, IPO. So I think it's a huge deal that they're not choosing to do it in the U.S., that they're choosing it to do in Hong Kong and in Shanghai. So that's that's one thing. I That's why I care about that one. Uh, number three is, all right, I'll start with you on this one, uh, Kevin, because you're, a, you're the Tesla bear of us. Tesla was profitable in Q2, but one of the main reasons is because they were able to market almost $500 million in regulatory credit sales. Does this matter to you? You care or not? I, I, I do care. You know, I, I think it's a, you know, I, I think it's a non-core business. Uh, even though those credits do exist and and the regulatory credits, I think uh, I, I don't think it's a con- not, I don't think it's a core business of Tesla. So whenever you're making uh, most of your profits from or, or that that revenue from non really a non-core business, I think uh, I, I I think it, it could go away at any time. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to I'll get to what the CFO said about that. But uh, Seth, what do you care? Do you care enough about Tesla's uh, regulatory credits in Q2? Uh, no, uh, you know you know how I feel, Andrew. The the bears on Tesla just move the goalposts. No matter you know no matter what, it all it started out with well, and they'll never be able to make a car. Now they make a car better than everyone else, and uh, you know now it's about the regulatory tax credits and. You know, they're hoping that the dam breaks out in, uh, where is that, Shanghai Dam? Uh, so it takes out Giga Shanghai. Um, no, I do not care about this. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, uh, Seth and I are on the same boat here. I, I don't care, but I do want to mention one thing that the CFO of Tesla said. He, he says that he doesn't, uh, they don't expect, they don't have the assumption that the regulatory credits will contribute significantly to their future. But in the exact same breath, he also said that he expects the credit revenue to double this year over last year. So it, it is an important part of their business right now. It is the one piece of business that got them to profitability this quarter, which is this is a really important quarter because it's four in a row, access to the S&P 500. So I, 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 these regulatory credits are going to go away uh, in, in, the, in the near future. Uh, but for right now, they're, they're helping Tesla, and, and that helps me. So I'm, uh, I like it. So I have a couple things. Uh, go for it. So, so 
basically, if you come out with a Tesla question uh, next week, I'm going to move the goalposts again. No, don't worry about that. Seth. I will. I will keep moving it. I, I will keep moving. It. But I, we, we do have a, uh, something on Walmart, right? Uh, and we'll get to Walmart here in a second. Juan Ortega, uh, LATAM regional manager, uh, and I can't see anything else, but how the supply chain for Walmart and all of the big box structures changing due to. COVID-19, and I yeah, think we we'll, have a we'll segment. Get, we'll get, yeah, we have a whole segment on uh, on whether or not we think Walmart can double, so we'll, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Juan's question here in, I, in a I moment. Said the, I said it before I realized, oh, yeah, we have a whole segment yeah, coming but up. We will, but we will stay uh, tuned. do we our best that. to answer that. Uh, so here I got some more SPAC news. We're we hearing every week there's more uh, of these blank check company merger companies. This one is actually really unique, I think. It is Redbird Capital Partners. They have teamed up with Billy Bean, the executive of the Oakland A's, who's kind of the, the accredited inventor of Moneyball and the data analytics and baseball. Uh, so they've teamed up with him and they've created a SPAC, a $500 million SPAC to, focuses on business, to focus on businesses in sports, sports media, and data analytics. Uh, it's going to be called Red Ball Capital. You care or not? I do. Is that public now? Red not not yet. I think they've just, announced the, they've just announced it. I'm not sure exactly when All the right. date, when you can gonna, start buying it. I'm going to write that down. But yeah. Red Ball Capital. Because yes, I, I do. I'm, I'm a big fan of whatever Billy Bean does. Yeah. I mean, someone who uh, can, can revolutionize uh, the game and, and kind of dig back to the obscure uh, data and analytics that were out there at the time. Uh, and I think he has a really good, firm uh, grip on what the next big trend is for, for sports. Nice. How about you, Seth? you care or not? Red Ball Capital. Uh, yeah, I do care. Um, yeah, one thing I would say is it's kind of funny. I, I was thinking about, I can't remember what the expression is, but you, you can't throw the ball without hitting a stack these days. Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. But that being said, I think Billy Bean and, and uh, whatever it's called, the math uh, around baseball is really cool. It'll be interesting to watch and see what he buys and uh, to see what he invests in and see if he's successful. So, yeah, I do care. All right, yeah, so we got our first three-for-three three, uh, caring with Red Bull. I care as well. Billy Bean is the man, so uh, I'm excited to see uh, what he can do as well. Uh, so we got two more quick ones for you. So then these are both uh, some deals we've seen in logistics space. The first one, which was announced, I think, last week, uh, this is between the autonomous vehicle startup Too Simple and Navistar. They've signed a deal to start producing uh, autonomous vehicles by 2024. Uh, Seth, do you care or not about this one? Yeah, I do care. Um, as you guys remember, uh, my first paper that I did at Freight Lays, I guess, 14, 15 months ago, uh, was on a long paper on autonomous trucks. So uh, I follow everything in the space. And, um, you know, Navistar, I think, is one of the top, uh, you know, uh, OEMs for heavy-duty trucks. And partnering up, I mean, I think it's a win for Too Simple. I haven't looked at all the details, but I think they said they're going to start producing these by 2024. Is that what you said? So, um, you know, that that seems like an aggressive timeline to me to be commercialized. Uh, so I'd need to read more about that because, you know, my take was always this is a 10, 15, 20-year thing in the future. But, um, yeah, I care, and I'll be watching closely. How about you, Kevin? I, I'm going to say no because I'm not going to agree with Seth. But I'm going to agree with Seth 15 months ago. It's still five, ten minutes, it's five, ten years away. It's a, it's a decade, decade away. And it's all about the execution. Anyone can project out. This is when we're going to go commercial. I, I can build a, a great plan. You can build a great plan. Seth can build a great plan. There's a lot of people out there who can, who can do these forecasts. But it's all about execution. So once they start executing it, then I'll care. But now I don't. Uh, I, I care as well. I think uh, I think that this model is going to be the first one to market. I don't know whether it'll be uh, too simple and Navistar, but I think that the idea of having this technology-based startup 
partner with a large OEM, I think that's going to be the model that eventually gets there to market. Uh, I just think you have the, the best talent pool there when you pull them together. Uh, and this is a really good timing for Too Simple. Apparently, they were looking to raise about $250 million in the last couple of weeks. It's, it's kind of an unusual merger, though. Apparently, Too Simple will be paying Navistar tens of millions of dollars each year to get access to their trucks, and they've also given them an equity stake. So we'll mm-hmm. see how the, the structure ends up working out for Too Simple. But no, it's a, it's a great deal for Too Simple, and uh, I'm happy for them. And the, the last one we got is another deal, uh, and this one is not focused so much on trucks, but rather on delivery vans. And this is between Waymo and Fiat Chrysler. They've also partnered to to try to get uh, some autonomous delivery vans and autonomous um, vans, you know, co- commercial vans, passenger vans to market. How about this one, Seth? You care or not? Uh, honestly, uh, I, I looked over this one in the script. I have not had any time to look into this. So Waymo, uh, I care about anything with Waymo. Um, Google's they're, they're one of the leaders in autonomous. So I'll be watching that. Uh, I care. I care really about related on a related note about the company Workhorse, which I think we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, sort of similar to this one. So I'll sort of save that for later. But yeah, I'll be watching this. Can you watching? You care or no? Uh, I, I do, and, and the reason why I do is because of Waymo and Google and just a limited amount of money that they can pour mm-hmm. into to any kind of investment or partnership they, they can do. And where Navistore and Too Simple might, they, they might not have the, the, the cash to really really 10x everything. They don't have just the re- cash burner or the, yeah, the cash creator that they can go in the well to like Google yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. And they, they probably won't take that much risk where Google has, has really proven that they'll take a lot of risk, they'll dump a lot of money, they'll burn a lot of money, just see what works and what doesn't. So it, because of that reason, I do care about this. Um, I, I don't care about this one because <laughs> I, I, I just... I just Fiat Chrysler to me is just a bunch of tired brands. Maybe they need some some excitement in them. But I, we talked about Fiat Chrysler last week. How Jeep is really their their only strong brand anymore. They just have a bunch of tired brands. So I don't love them. Uh, I do like the idea that Fiat Chrysler made Waymo their exclusive uh, level four partner. I think that's interesting. So they're really trying to get to that level four as quickly as possible. So let's shift uh, our focus a little bit back to our big uh, to our to our big topic today. We're going to talk about Walmart. We love talking about Walmart. Last week or two weeks ago rather, we we talked about whether. Walmart Walmart is now a tech stock or what it has to do to become a tech stock. We're going to kind of continue that that theme here. And the overall question we're going to try to answer is whether Walmart can double in size. We're not going to put a time horizon on it, but uh, we'll, we'll just think how how big can Walmart get and what are the steps that needs to happen for them to get there. So, you know, the recent news has been overwhelmingly positive uh, with the Shopify partnership and the Walmart Plus, which will be their subscription, you know, renewable subscription bundle. But it wasn't always this way. You know, we heard first word of this Walmart. Uh, Walmart membership program back in February, and the market didn't take the news very well. They reacted negatively. Walmart actually closed down 3% on that day. But if you fast forward to just a couple weeks ago, when we heard some more concrete evidence that this was going to be a real thing, that Walmart Plus was coming to market, the stock closed up nearly 10% up for that week. So, Seth, I think you'll probably be best able to answer this question. I I just want to know, how could the perceived value of a Walmart membership program change so drastically in just four months? Yeah, um, I'll get into that. But first things first, I don't think Walmart, the company, has actually come out and confirmed this yet, which is one reason why, because uh, I've been looking for the stock to be running more on this news, and I think maybe, you know, it was supposedly supposed to launch by the end of July, and I forget what, what's today, the 28th or 29th? So we're getting, you know, well on into the end of July. And so 
uh, I think the company, if the company came out and actually confirmed it with a press release with some details about exactly, you know, what the offering was going to be and when it was going to launch and all that sort of stuff, I think we'll see a spike in the stock. Now, uh, to your question, um, you know, I think obviously a ton has changed. Um, you know, if you look back in February, that pre-COVID, at least pre-COVID in the United States, I guess it was, you know, there was already that outbreak in China, but a lot of people, including senior you know, health officials and, and government officials in the U.S. didn't think it was going to uh, end up being a big deal, which they were obviously wrong about. Now, you know, and so what that caused is that caused lockdowns. And you saw e-commerce. I think we talked about this in prior shows. You know, e-commerce in uh, 2019 was just like around 11 percent of overall retail sales in the U.S. And they're, you know, they're tracking. That's uh, all. Uh, they're like close to 30 percent. Um, of overall retail sales right now because a lot of physical retail is still closed or, you know, um, has limited foot traffic. And then I saw this morning that um, Goldman Sachs says that they're forecasting overall e-commerce in the U.S. for the entire year of 2020 uh, to grow 30% this year, which is, you know, more about double the rate that it's grown at um, for the past decade or so. So, you know, huge deal there. Obviously, uh, the other result of COVID has not only been a lot more shopping online, but uh, it's favored the bigger guys, of which Walmart won, right? And that was a little bit unfair because uh, a lot of these big guys, their businesses got deemed essential, uh, Walmart being one of them. Um, and so, uh, and, and the small guys had to close down. So, you know, I think when you combine the fact of, uh, you know, a lot more shopping online with COVID, I think there's been probably some, you know, permanent or semi-permanent changes in consumer behavior that are, that are going to last. In other words, I think e-commerce, uh, has def- if it wasn't already, you know, really ingrained, it definitely is now. Um, and, you know, we may not even have a, uh, a vaccine, by the way, best case, where, uh, you know, people can go to their doctor and get vaccinated probably, you know, June, July of next year. I think Google talks about their keeping their employees home till then. So not only that, but you're, you're going to see another four quarters of just tremendous growth. And then, you know, the other thing with Walmart is it's extremely defensive, um, you know, it's a cheap place to shop. It's open, and they get 50% of their sales from groceries, which has been a booming category. So I think when you combine all that, and then and then they also, Walmart does the most sales of any retailer in the United States, like $500 billion, right? Um, and so they just have this massive store base and massive consumer base that I think was low-hanging fruit there, even if you can't, you know, get, get up to that Amazon Prime level of membership. Um, I think if you can convert uh, Walmart customers into basically a subscription business, uh, a la all the software and technology stocks that have been running, if you can do that, you know, you get more customer lifetime value, you get a higher multiple in the stock and all that sort of thing. So yes. uh, I, I think when you add all that together, that, that's then why uh, the market is now actually excited about it. Yeah, Seth, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the point about Walmart trying to convert some of these uh, online shoppers to, the, to do the subscription bundle here. I got a, uh, some data here from AlphaWise. They did a survey, and they said that Walmart online shoppers are the least likely to be Amazon Prime members. Well, there's still 74% overlap here. That 74% of the uh, Walmart online shoppers are likely to be um, Amazon Prime members, but that's by far the least of any other uh, grocery retailer online. So the idea is there that it will likely... Uh, likely lead to a, a better conversion rate of getting some of those current Walmart online shoppers to their own subscription service. So 
But with all this said, we've kind of, um, you know, currently it trades at a, about a buck thirty-two market cap of three hundred seventy-five billion. We did, you just went on about yep. a two and a half minute uh, speech there on, on what Walmart has, but we didn't mention Flipkart one time. This is a company that some some people uh, kind of yeah. forget <laughs> about Flipkart. Uh, so give us a, give, give us the thirty seconds on Flipkart and why this is going to be so pivotal to Walmart's growth moving forward. Yeah, and I'm not on video today. I'm on the phone, so you guys got. I don't have the verbal and nonverbal cues to cut me off. <laughs> no way, uh, mate. So, uh, uh, so Flipkart. Um, Flipkart. Flipkart is a huge deal too. So, 30 seconds here. Uh, Flipkart is the number one. They're the, basically the Amazon of India, even though Amazon does exist in India. They are the number one e-commerce player in India. They've got about 40 percent market share. The story with Indian e-commerce is just tremendous growth. So it's probably in the first inning. Uh, you know, it's equivalent to it's got 1.4 billion people, the same amount of people as China, and you're probably 10, 15, 20 years behind in that growth story in terms of the e-commerce penetration. So as you see that, uh, you know, Alibaba now is a 700 billion dollar market cap. Amazon's one and a half trillion. I think uh, you know Flipkart could be you know a 500 billion dollar plus company because the Indian e-commerce should grow at about 50 percent a year for the next decade. And what, uh, what and percentage got, and Walmart, of Walmart? Uh, I forgot to mention Walmart has 80% of them. There so you that's go. The that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we were looking yep. for. Uh, well, beautiful. Yep. So, Sorry. So we got to see the, the, to, to wrap this up a little bit. We got to see uh, we got to see the, the investors give a uh, valuation bump to the subscription service, which means Walmart's got to churn in some of those uh, online shoppers into subscription uh, people. Then we also got to see Flipkart continue growing. That's probably uh, you know that that does, goes without saying it, it will grow, uh, and they they own eighty percent of that. So there's a lot of good things happening for Walmart here. Kevin, do you have any you have any final notes on on the Walmart story? Yeah, and, and thanks to our LinkedIn commentators uh, or commenters, Matt Henning and Sheena Day, for, for throwing us some notes down at, on LinkedIn. I, I, think, um, I, I think it goes back to a couple weeks ago. Uh, Walmart's, what, point, uh, at that time, it was about 0.7 7 to, to revenue. Rating I, revenue. I yeah. think getting that subscription model in, I think um, Flipkart, which I don't know too much about, uh, if it's a major player in India, that, that's a huge investment for them, and I think um, uh, you know the Shopify partnership. I'm still very bullish on that, yeah, and I think the, think all of those whether uh, you know it, it's going to incrementally increase their sales, but I think their their valuation metrics will change into maybe more of a, a technology company and move that from you know even if it moves the valuation from 0.7 to 1.4 of sales. I mean that's doubling. That's uh, yeah, what, it's a, huge. A $260 stock then. Yep. Yeah, it's massive. I think uh, the, the last note I read, the bull case priced at 180, with the with the base case at 140. So uh, people are expecting some good things from Walmart. So let's shift gears to uh, another company with huge expectations, or a couple companies with huge expectations, rather. And this was the Barron's uh, cover story. I think it was last week, the end of last week, beginning of this week. I can't remember. Uh, but it's about the electric yep. truck wars and the, the hydrogen bubble stocks. It's basically that um, that discussion there. So you know, as you mentioned earlier, Seth, we have Workhorse who uh, creates. Uh, um, hydrogen-powered delivery vans. You have Nikola, which we talk about uh, ad nauseum, which we all know what they do. They are, are going to build massive hydrogen trucks. Both of those company stocks have skyrocketed this year, uh, and investors have really become convinced that the future of driving, whether it be big rigs or delivery vans or, or even personal cars, that, that it will be gasoline-free. Uh, even even Hylion, who we've had on here, uh, he was on What the Truck. He might have been also been on the Midday Market yeah, Update, was, the CEO yes. of mm-hmm. Hylion, that is. Um, even them, they have some investors you know, excited to, to buy that stock. They're going to go with a SPAC with one of those blank check companies. But the truth is, it, seem, it seems to me that everybody kind of wants to be Tesla, that they want to they ride the wave of Tesla. 
Tesla right now. That, that valuation's gone through the roof. <clears throat> and the heavy-duty market is, is much smaller than the passenger car market, but it's still really big. I think the sales of the top six big rig manufacturers was around $160 billion last year, so a massive market. Uh, Seth, I want to punt this question to you because I, I found this comment um, uh, both kind of funny and, and I just found it good. So Joe Spack, an analyst at RBC Capital Markets, he says that Tesla is not a business but rather just a business plan. Uh, but I think the same probably could have been said, said about Tesla when they went public uh, in 2010. Nikola, yeah, yeah. Oh, did I did I say did I say Tesla? Okay, Nikola yeah, yeah, is yeah. not so much a, a business, but rather a business <laughs> plan. And I think the same probably could have been said about Tesla 10 years ago. So, Seth, what do you think the difference is between Nikola today in 2020, having just IPO'd, and uh, Tesla back in 2010, having just IPO'd back then? What are the differences now? Well, I mean, the first obvious difference, as I think through this, is, uh, you know, uh, Nikola will be competing against Tesla, who is obviously the leading EV player in the entire world, because Tesla is going to come out with their own electric semi, and, uh, you know, by 2021 is the plan. So that's one obvious difference. The other obvious difference is, you know, Tesla uh, is an electric vehicle uh, company, and that's what they've bet their stake on. Whereas Nikola is a sort of a hybrid between uh, they're going to have electric short-range trucks, uh, and then they're you know a hydrogen uh, fuel cell uh, truck where they have to. So the other thing that they have to do, and Tesla had to build out their charging stations, but these uh, hydrogen fuel, I, I think there are a lot of questions. Uh, hydrogen isn't really proven as a fuel um, compared to diesel, and as we kind of talked about offline, Andrew, it'll be really expensive to build up this network. I mean, one of these stations costs. Supposedly, you know, twenty million bucks, and uh, I think the Cowan analyst on Nikola is estimating they have like two hundred and sixty something of them by you know ten years from now, or two thousand twenty-seven, or whatever the number was. So that you know, that's five billion dollars in, in a fueling network that you have to build up. So you know, they've got Anheuser Busch on as a customer, but convincing people to buy one of these you know expensive trucks and and are they going to work? And then to pay a dollar a mile for sort of a trucking as a service. I think it's a very unknown thing. Whereas, uh, I guess they're they're similar in the fact that maybe they're they're the future, but uh, I think it'll be a harder road for Nikola than it was for Tesla. Yeah, I think uh, my biggest difference is even at that point, Tesla they were very they were producing very few cars. They don't they only had the Roadster there, the very highly priced Roadster. But they did have a product. They had a product on the market. People could see it. People could understand what Tesla was doing. We're still a long way from that at Nikola. Nikola's expecting first trucks to be delivered in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. So uh, some time there. But I'm glad you mentioned the thing about hydrogen fuel cells not being proven because they've been around for a while. I didn't know this, but um, some of the hydrogen um, fuel cell makers, which we'll get to in a second, they've been making hydrogen fuel cells for 20 or 30 years, and they really haven't caught on to, to the mainstream power usage. We, we see them used a lot in data centers to, to cool the data centers down or in, like, forklifts and in, uh, in, um, in warehouses and whatnot. But as a, as a long-range vehicle, I don't know if hydrogen really is going to stand up to the tail. What do you think, Kev? You know, I, I th- think it goes back to, to the battery, too, right? I mean, Tesla's made such great improvements in, in, in the power and, and longevity of, of of electric vehicles and the battery, mm-hmm. I, I think you're seeing the same evolution in hydrogen as well. 
So I think as time goes on, the technology is going to get better. The the, the usability is going to get better. Uh, you have this this enormous infrastructure project that, that has to go on. You know, five billion uh, is is basically table stakes uh, for that just to get it off the ground, which is uh, a huge thing. Helium is is taking another uh, type of uh, spin on that, where it's, where it's hydrogen, but it's it's repowered by natural gas, right. renewable natural gas uh, in the cab. So there's, there's ways around that, and there's people looking around that. Um, if the question is, is alternative vehicles a bubble right now? I don't know if that's the, the, the question. Yeah, on, yeah on the hy- hydrogen fuel, alternative hydrogen, fuel, yeah, alternative trucks. Of course it's a bubble, yeah. right? There's, uh, any, anything new that comes out, there's a bubble. And this is uh, a definite a definite bubble because there's really no progress. There's just business plans, as as you said. Yeah, we don't have um, we don't have too much time here left, yep. but I'll I'll run through here. Just the, I, I mentioned the hydrogen fuel cell maker. So there's three companies in particular: Plug Power, Ballard Power Systems, who's been around for a long time, and Boom Energy. And those first two companies are up 4x in 12 months. So they're now trading at uh, more than 50 times future cash flow. So uh, I just think. They're really they're companies that are priced to disappoint. I mean, we, we've got a long way. This is a long trek, and I and as we said with the the build out of the hydrogen network, um, as, as you said a second ago, uh, hydrogen's. I mean, Nikola says that they're going to uh, they're going to market these cars at about a dollar per mile, ninety five cents per mile. I don't know whether that's before or after they bring down the price of hydrogen, but they're expecting to bring down, or they're, they're, they're projecting that they can bring down the price of hydrogen by nearly 75% uh, to about $4 a kilo. I, I mean, that's just it's a, lot of, it's a lot of work. I don't know if the, the juice is going to be worth the squeeze. Investors are excited about it, but it, we got a long road uh, ahead of us here. Okay, so we got a few seconds to kill here. I got uh, something for you, Seth. We're going to have that GDP number on Thursday. You think it's better or worse than negative uh, 30% in Q2? Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit worse, but better than the 40 or 50%. By the way, I'm going to add one last thing here. Cautionary tale. Ten years ago, I followed this company called Clean Energy, uh, which was run by Boone Pickett, and that didn't pan out. It had the same fueling station thing, and it made a lot of sense on a lot of levels, and that, that stock never panned out. So that has made me a little bit of a skeptic on the hydrogen as well. What about you? GDP? I remember that. I, I think oh. it's going to be better than negative thirty percent. Better. I do too, actually. I don't know why, but I think I think the analyst expectations are in the negative thirty, mid thirties range. I think it'll be slightly better. Um, but again, it's just going to be a brutal printout. Uh, what about this, Kevin? Do you think they shut down the MLB? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I sure hope not. I, I hope not uh, too, but I, I think it's. I, I think NBA and NFL. It's going to be maybe so. Yeah. Uh, hey, we might be one day late next week. I think we're on a seven-day, twenty-three and a half-hour break. But we'll see you next Wednesday, guys. Thank you, guys, so much for tuning in. See you next time.